Welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk with CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about the space and their careers. My name is Gene Fay, and I'm the CEO of API security company ThreadX and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we are joined by David McLeod, VP and CISO at Cox Enterprises, a leading communications and automotive service company. Welcome, David. How are you this morning? I am great, Gene. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for agreeing to join us today. You and I have really built a special friendship, and I appreciate the fact that you're joining us today on our podcast. And I think you've got a great story to tell. And why don't we jump into it with a couple of questions? How's that sound? All right. I love it. Fantastic. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit, obviously people know the Cox brand, but why don't you talk a little bit about the company and your role there? The Cox brand, first of all, you probably know us better as Cox Automotive's brands like Auto Trader, Mannheim Auction, something like 60, 70% of the cars in the nation, you know, go through that business. But we, you know, we're acquiring a lot of stuff such as Dickinson Fleet Service. We've acquired companies that will do maintenance on EV batteries in cars. So really progressive business there. You know, many, many car dealerships using a system from Cox Automotive. On the communication side, of course, you got cable. We just made a big acquisition of Segra, which is a ton of fiber on the East Coast. So Cox business is expanding everywhere. But the little known things that are getting really big for us is uh, Bright Farms. See, have you ever been in uh, supermarkets and bought organic lettuce grown indoors in warehouses beautifully? We're trying to get to five or somewhere between five and 35 locations over the next few years. So Cox is uh, more than communications, more than automotive. We got sustainability stuff. We got organic lettuce. It's quite an expensive group of things. Well, so you've got a pretty big tax service. So, uh, you know, as your role as CISO, you got you got a lot of areas to protect. Well, there's three CISOs, uh, thank right. goodness. Uh, but, yeah. but yes, <laughs> exactly. uh, the financial strength that comes from having diverse businesses means everybody wants a part of some part of you. Oh, absolutely. Well, when you think about your journey here, you know, how did you get started? Obviously, for the listeners, uh, you were in the Army. So thank you very much for your service. And you went to Clemson. So how did you go from military and collegiate background to becoming all the way to a CISO? Right. So I want to be clear that there was no plan. <laughs> right, I got to do my first hack when I was 14 at home. And really, the theme of the journey is intervention of strangers. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm a math teacher hands me and a buddy a box with a computer in it that nobody knew how to use. And I learned assembly on Apple II, yeah. thus leading to my first hack when I was 14, which was the power system uh, mm. the place I lived in then. And then in college, mischief, quite frankly. And I think we're past any statute of limitations, so I'm not too <laughs> concerned, but I'm not going into details. But uh, mischief at the age of 19 helped me to prove myself ready and worthy of Army serv military service. And uh, I went into Signal Corps at that time. So really, strangers at the right place at the right time, just, you know, a little nudge. And, you know, my whole future got changed because I had hands-on in a closet with a computer for a long period of time. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I think the, the curiosity is a big driver from the beginning. But as that uh, moved along, military taught me so much about influence and, and leadership and you know, helping people want to work together. So I think that's really, really like cut my chops on collaboration and and loving uncertainty. You know, those are big parts of surviving the job. It's interesting. You hit on something kind of as a young kid, you know, investigating, I won't call it hacking, but investigating what's capable. It's interesting because that, that's probably one of those points in your life where you, you realize, you know, first fork in the road, you can go 
to the dark side, or you can choose to do good with the, the same exact set of skills. So it's really you know, great that you obviously chose the right path and, and have been rewarded with it now, now becoming, you know, becoming a CISO. Yeah. And, you know, I never knew it would be this big. I never knew my every day at work, you know, what 35, 40 years later would be <laughs> military tactics, military tooling. So who knew? Yeah. Well, I think for the military people that are maybe listening to the podcast and uh, maybe they, they're not in the, the signals group or, you know, at a keyboard, maybe they're out in the field. Uh, how do you think somebody like that, how do their skills that they've learned, both leadership, but also the tactics of the military, do you think apply to cybersecurity? Absolutely. There's quite a few things that employers don't have to worry about when you're dealing with military veterans, right? Determination, focus, team collaboration. There's just a set of character and integrity habits that make a, a good fit to just get impossible things done, right? So I think those personalities just play well. And there's also uh, every soldier is an apprentice. All right, every soldier is learning something new every day to apply in a new environment every day with new people every day. And that just makes you know migration easier. So I'd want every soldier to know that regardless of what your field job was, your curiosity, your determination, quite frankly, your mental fitness, right? Your ability to command your focus in spite of how you feel. It's a huge edge in being productive. Your ability to manage stress is a huge edge in staying creative in cyber. So I could go on and on, but it's oh, just a disposition that's been proven under fire and yeah. that makes for a good professional. Yeah. Again, thank you for your service. I was too wimpy to do any military service. So I, I'm always in awe of people like yourself that make that level of dedication for our country. What I think about is the cat and mouse aspect of cyber and how that relates to the kind of the rest of where they could go. And from a military perspective, I also think about the ability to earn a, a great wage. I looked it up. You know, the average wage in the U.S. today is forty-seven thousand dollars. The average cyber wage is one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. And senior uh, to many of the young people that might be listening to the podcast today, but you know, the ability to make six figures in cybersecurity is a real opportunity. And I think military people, you know, should really you know consider that as a great course. And I think companies like ourselves, there's 3 million open positions are willing to train people to get into this industry. Absolutely. So, so for the soldiers, the cat and mouse part is a big deal. Most soldiers have some idealistic sense of provide, protect, and serve. Mm-hmm. And that general disposition, that heart condition works really well, right? Because it is a global battle now, right? But yeah. our ex- example, my threat management consultant starts his debriefs, his quarterly debrief with Here's what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, and here's how that spills over to corporations near here. Right. right. So I think just that sense of serving and wanting to serve just uh, gives purpose to the job and right. relevance to what you're doing, right? And it's yeah. and heck, when it's purposeful, we want to be all in. But then to your yeah. point around the salary, yeah, we we will take interns from Atlanta, city of refuge, never done cyber, don't have the military disposition. I mean, they're gritty and they're curious, but we'll take them in, at, start an apprenticeship. 55 to 75,000. So the starting job when I'm, no, I'm going to invest in you for six to 18 months, which means I'm going to work you four days a week. I'm going to train you one day a week, same way a soldier goes. It's a pretty incredible start. And it just doesn't take that much. It really doesn't. I know know there's a lot of mystery about, oh, you got to learn these things. Well, guess what? Go out to the internet. The NICE framework shows seven different dimensions of cyber. So 
If you're an infantry guy who happens to be a creative marketing guy, then you go into security awareness and training, you know, right. service provider or manage the program. And if you're a hardcore bits and bytes hacker, then you got four other domains. But point is, there's seven domains for every creative type, and soldiers have the grid to get it done. Yeah. They step up really, really quickly. Yeah, well said, David. Totally agree. So why don't you tell us more about kind of your story and, and your journey to get to being a CISO? Like, what were the steps of coming out of the military, coming out of your collegiate background? You know, kind of big buckets of kind of where you started, how you got to where you were besides it wasn't a plan. Same with me. You know, it wasn't, wasn't a plan to be a CEO, but i fortunate enough to be able to become one like yourself. So yeah. tell us a little bit more. Let me talk about some of the on-the-job stuff and off-the-job stuff that kind of led to that success. So on-the-job, I was just always curious, right? I wanted to be doing something new. And when I came out of college, I was still in the reserves, you know, had learned quite a bit about disciplining myself. So mm-hmm. off-the-job, I'd learned these healthy routines. I'd figured out, you know, if I keep these certain relationships and outside pursuits, that I'm just always growing. So that just created energy. And then on-the-job, I kept changing roles. So I think, you know, key point I'd want to tell everyone is just keep learning stuff. If you just love learning stuff, yeah. it's good. If you want to have mastery, it's good. So the first set of roles were IT roles, and I started at a help desk. Help desk in college, eight bucks an hour, help desk in a corporation, and then a network landed, right? Then email landed. So so I think just, just key for anyone, stay curious, keep moving, keep learning, because that's a lifestyle. It's not a one and done. I always use my mom as the example of a learned person who literally from the time I was in first grade till 25 years later, she went from a secretary to a master's in nursing. And that's always helped me to continue my passion. Uh, I'm currently learning Python because I want to you know, continue to learn. So I think that's a great piece of advice is that curiosity and constant being you know, a learned person yeah. is a great key to success. Yeah, and other thing, uh, soldiers, everyone would benefit from is this is three parts here. This is curious, connected and collaborative. And by connected, just building the relationship networks. I had this one boss and I'll, I'll call him out here. His name's Ed DePrimo. He gave me the first job out of college. He gave me the first job as a manager. He gave me the first job as a consultant. He gave me the first reference as an executive. So one connection can just keep you growing and going forever. So just I mean, bottom line, you start to see it wasn't too long before friends were calling me, not because I was great, just because there's need. So if the curiosity is handled, you're having good connected relationships at work, then you just start talking to each other about problems, kind of like you and me, Eugene, right? right. We met to talk yeah. about a problem I was having, and turns out you're building a product for it. So curious, yeah. connected, collaborative, yeah. will take you everywhere. And I think that connected piece, David, I, I hope everybody really takes that to heart. And it's, I know you do that better than most, because you're giving, you're not looking to take. Anybody in your network calls you, reaches out, needs help, whether they're solving a problem or needs an introduction, that ability to give uh, in your career, this isn't cyber, uh, this is just any career that people are choosing. The more you give that boomerang effect, the more you'll get. People will remember all the things you've done. So when, you know, when you're in the middle of the, the desert, uh, you don't go looking for water, you, you feed that the whole, whole way around. So I totally agree with yeah. you. I wonder if we could just change a little bit, you know, as an African-American, you know, a senior member of the Cox team, what do you think about how we change diversity? I mean, diversity is a big 
problem you know across the U.S. in terms of the workforce, but I know within cybersecurity, it's even more acute. And just wondering what your thoughts are on what can we all do collectively to encourage a more diverse uh, population to work within this industry? Well, well, I think number one, we got to be able to think about our own biases, right? I'm very fortunate that my parents moved me around a lot, right? So I went from inner city neighborhood, Atlantic City, New Jersey as a kid, and then they pop us out to another country, right? Where nobody's like me except, except my sisters. And then they pop us back to South Carolina where I find out for the first time there is a such thing as a quote unquote black person and a white person. We didn't have that in Jersey, right? We had ethnicities and foods and flavors right. of people. We didn't have colors of people. So I think I use that example to say my parents broke my ability to keep a bias for very long because we kept moving to places with people not like me. Right. Now, good news today, we're in a world where you can, you know, see a TV commercial or a billboard and there's all types and all types of restaurants. So if we're okay to challenge our own biases, we start to find out there's actually really cool, smart, fun people out there. Yeah. And oh, by the way, who doesn't like 40 different food types, conversations and jokes about family? So right, right. just, yeah. just being connected, you know, back to being connected. It's just a lot of gifts in it. It might be uncomfortable to try it out, but the action item is in your own zip code. Have the conversation. Yeah. Talk about a problem. Talk about a curiosity. We're really more alike than you think. Yeah, totally agree. One of the things that I've been trying to do and uh, just starting this journey, so I haven't gotten far with it, but it's connecting student athletes, many of which are from very diverse backgrounds, to the idea of coming into cybersecurity. You know, I think it's first exposure, right? And I think that uh, you know, some parts of our ecosystem just don't allow for exposure to cyber and what it could mean from that side. So I think exposure and at a younger age, right? Helping people to understand what this yeah. whole field of IT is, as well as uh, specifically cyber. Yeah, Jen, you're really onto something there. I didn't know these things were possible in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Today, everybody should know it's possible. Even a kid on the parent's iPhone looking at videos told not to do something. That's a cybersecurity tip. We can definitely be teaching it a lot sooner in schools. We can be exposing it because it's a part of everyone's life. It's part of everyone's job. So we're, we're kind of at a great why not stage, right? Why aren't right. we apprenticing everyone everywhere into this thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the inflection point for cybersecurity is it just continues to exponentially grow. The unfortunate reason for that is that the bad guys continue to get better and better, and we've got to continue to up our game. But I think I'm just wondering, you know, if you were 21, 22, and you wanted to get into this industry, what are the steps people can take to link up with an organization like Cox or just in general, learn about Black Hat? Like, how does somebody, you know, take the first step to getting involved in this when maybe they don't know anybody? I'm going to stick to the big three. Curious. Right. Get yourself on 10 podcasts, 10 news feeds, just on the keyword cyber, information mm-hmm. security, and then you're feeding your own curiosity to find out what you like. And then in terms of getting connected, great call, Gene. Black Hat has local chapters. High schools have cyber clubs, coding clubs, IT clubs. They are everywhere. And I think, and I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be a stretch to say they're they're not accessible in every zip code. So we do have a responsibility to feed ourselves. And then the collaborative part, once you see the club is there, go find the other 
curious, weird people like you that think this is cool. Right. <laughs> They're there. They're going to be many types, right? Tall, yeah. short, different colors. Yeah. Um, a lot of males, not enough females. So yeah. I think there's enough connecting points out there, but I just encourage everybody, go be uncomfortable for an hour and get past it. There's just a lot of fun puzzles to work on. And once you start accomplishing stuff together and you don't care about where anybody's from, you're having too much fun. Well said. And I think the black cat in that forum <laughs> I've been recently listening to Darkneck Diaries. I'm a lagger in that uh, great podcast. Uh, and I'd highly recommend people that want to learn about what's going on in this industry. Uh, it's an excellent, very well-produced podcast. But uh, one of the guests on there was talking about uh, being kind of an outcast for most of their lives. And then they went to Black Cat. And it was the first time they were like, these are my people. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, you know, like, and that was really, uh, it was a cool thing to kind of hear about. I remember being, uh, I had to be about 40 years old and I go into a corporate conference room, you know, I had not been a CISO yet. And there's a bunch, a whole table of guys and girls, you know, all types, uh, all nations, you know, from India to Chinese to everything. And, but yet we're in a Southeast city and everybody's jitter, got a jittery finger or jittery, jittery leg. And it's like, finally, I'm home. It's like this long because, hey, you know, we if you grew up picked on, feeling a little different, always having ideas and thoughts unlike anybody else, you probably belong in cyber IT. It's right. a good thing. I totally agree. With that. I, I remember my daughter who's now in college when she was young, great students. And uh, I remember one time coming home and saying, you know, the boys on the playground picked on me because I didn't know who Tom Brady was. And I said, don't worry. I said, you know what they're going to call you someday? She says, what's that? Dad? So they're going to call you a boss. Because I said, you know, <laughs> the, the geeks take over the world and <laughs> big advocate for that. And I think that uh, cyber is just an, an unbelievable opportunity for people to get into a world so dynamic. And I know from your career, you, you had, you know, coming out of IT and, and coming into this world of cyber, just had un, unbelievable opportunities. So, so I guess, you know, one final question, David, that I'm sure the people that are in this industry who aspire to become a CISO, like, you know, can you, I know it wasn't a plan, but, you know, can you, can you think about, you know, what advice you would give somebody who's a manager or maybe a director and aspires to become a CISO? Like what guidance would you give that person? I'll try to give a little bit from the whole spectrum here. So if you wanted to get started and you got no experience, do the cybersecurity work at whatever job you have today. Right. So if you're working at a car wash, there is a scam and a credit card problem. Learn about it and talk to people about it, right? So just be the expert where you are and whatever job you have. Yeah. Cybersecurity is in every job. Whether, whether you're waiting tables or working at a car wash, believe me, there's an aspect very nearby. And then I'd say put in the work to figure out what kind, which really what's your sweet spot. The cool part about this big need is there are CISOs that need to be highly technical to inform a product build. There are CISOs that need to be the master hat in a small business. There are CISOs that need to come into an IT organization and transform everything to become secure, to head to cloud. So just take the time to figure out what your sweet spot is, what your personality is, what really creates the energy for you. And then after that, influence, right? It's going to be really helpful if you don't mind talking to people, really helpful if you like engaging them, right? Jedi mind tricks are a big part of influence, right? right. right yes, you, you want to do this work for me, even though you've never heard of me. And I, 
what I'm talking about might seem scary. So, so I just encourage, you know, find your way, start where you are, become the leader where you are. And then, then you get time to refine your skills, you know, re- refine the influence, uh, refine the storytelling, but you're going to have to just love the curious energy creating parts of this. Uh, this should not be something you plow through. You're going to have to stay healthy. You're going to have to take care of yourself and others to be influential. So find your sweet spot and, and there's way too many opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you, you'd mentioned a gentleman that I'm sure was a mentor to you. So I'm sure finding the mentors, the, the people that are CISOs today, that, you know, that see in you what sometimes you don't even see in you. And that is the true capability to be that leader and continue to take those next steps. I'm sure that was the big part of. Yeah. And that's a collaboration, right? Folks that um, care enough for you and about you, you know, as you, Gene, you would tell me if I had toilet paper on my shoe. But a friend is, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what a good friend is, right? Get the spinach out your teeth, get the toilet paper off your shoe. You can do this. Right. (laughs) And those are precious moments that change everything, right? I I didn't get this way overnight. I'm a big time introvert. So I've had the public speaking 45 times, the short acting class, how to give a humorous speech. And it just helps you get through the fear, right? It's in all of us. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Awesome, David. Uh, Really, just thank you so much for being a part of the executive podcast. With that, that's all we have for today. And thank you for listening. And again, thank you, David, for joining us and and sharing uh, your journey and thoughts on a career in cybersecurity. I think if you're a young military person, if you have a diverse background, like we need you in this industry. So, uh, so please, uh, think about it. And thank you again for uh, being a part of our executive podcast and have a great day. And I want to make a last shout out to uh, professional females, all ages, all stages, career changes. I'm biased because I have all sisters and all daughters. We need three daughters too, David, you know that. So well said. We need women to attract other women into the business, the diverse thinking, the way teams are handled. It's necessary. So please join us. Absolutely. So well said, David. Well, thank you again. And thank you to all our listeners. And we look forward to putting out another uh, executive security podcast. Bye-bye, everyone.